Welcome to Lighthouse Church's Sermon Podcast. We pray you are blessed and encouraged with today's message. I want to talk a little bit about Thanksgiving because it's coming up. Special holiday for me. I used to do that with my grandmother all the time. I'd go up and cook the turkey and I would uh, help her out and you'd get to see all the family members come. And my mom was one of 11 so we had a huge get-together. It was, I mean, the house wasn't big enough, and uh, we'd get everybody in there. But one of the things that I used to do is I used to try to find those people that were kind of on the outskirts, that maybe, maybe they were a little distressed, maybe they just you know, had something going on, and I'd try to make them feel comfortable. Uh, I don't know what it is, why I do that, but it seems when I get in events like that, I'm always trying to make sure everybody else is comfortable. And I want to talk a little bit about another supper that Jesus was a part of. But I don't really want to talk about the meal. I want to talk about how he was trying to comfort his disciples. I'm going to be reading out of John chapter 14. So if you have your Bibles, you could open up to that. John chapter 14. If I was talking about the meal, I probably would go out of Mark but I'm not really talking about the Last Supper, the, the bread and the wine. So chapter 14, we're going to start off talking about what's happened up to this point. Jesus had ris- has risen a man from the dead, Lazarus, and they had gone and someone had washed his feet. It was Mary, and they, uh, Judas was a little upset about it. And he's like, I'm not going to be here forever. So that's one thing that they're hearing. Well, he's not going to be here forever. They go somewhere else, and Jesus is washing their feet. And they're thinking, what in the heck is going on? Jesus is washing the feet. Peter says something to him, and he, uh, you know, I will always be with you. And he tells Peter, well, you're going to deny me three times. So they've got to be getting a little bit nervous because they're going around watching people raised from the dead, and now you have Jesus doing some things he just hasn't done before. He's talking about leaving He's probably not acting like he normally does. I know Tanya, she gets a little nervous when I'm at home and all of a sudden I start cleaning the house. Because if I start cleaning the house, usually my anxiety's up and for some reason that helps me clean the house. I don't think that she intentionally gets me nervous and anxious so that I clean the house, but that's usually what happens. But this time I think that Jesus was noticing... uh, they were noticing, his disciples were noticing that Jesus was, was a little anxious. Of course he's anxious. He's going to go and die on the cross. He knows this. He's got some anxiety. He knows that they're a little anxious. They're anxious because they're thinking, Jesus is going to leave, and we've given up everything for him. They're anxious because they know their lives are probably going to be put in danger. They're anxious because, well, if he leaves, who's going to lead us? So these things are anxious. Jesus is also anxious, not only for himself, but for them. He knows what's going to happen. These people are going to have to endure when he is gone. They're going to have to endure. He knows that they are going to be beaten, many of them martyred. I mean, the majority of them were martyred. You had Peter, who was crucified upside down on a cross, He had Timothy that was stabbed with a spear, or Thomas. And you had James who was clubbed and stoned to death. 
So he's nervous. He knows the trials that they are going to go through. And he's got to, in a way, comfort them. What is something that I can say to these people? Something that I can say to them that is going to hold them through the hard times. Because I'm getting ready to leave. I'm not going to be here to perform the miracle that they can see. I'm not going to be here with them in their presence to hold them together. So what can I say to them? What can I say to them that's going to help them? So I'm going to read John chapter 14, starting with verse 1. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, and that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. So to comfort them, he tells them, hey, I'm going away. I'm going to my father's house. They know his father is. Father's God. I am going to make a room for you. I'm going to make a dwelling for you. When I think of dwellings that I've been in the years, I mean, I spent four years at Lycoming College in a dwelling. I had an apartment that uh, had a bathroom down the hall, so I couldn't really, you know, go to the bathroom without anybody knowing. You know, they see you going down the hall, you get in the middle of the, the, middle of the night, you throw a bathrobe on, you walk down a few uh, doors, go to the bathroom, come back. Everybody knows you're going in the middle of the night, what's, what's going on, you know what I mean? There's no... Uh, no place you can go without somebody knowing what you're doing. You have loud music playing, things like that. But it was a dwelling. It was a place that I stayed. Uh, there were some things that I tried to do to make it better while I was there. I made a loft. You know what I mean? I had a couch underneath. Um, but it still was not like being at home. There's something different about being home. Okay? It was a place to stay for me for four years. I did it. But I liked the summer break where I could be home, where I could see mom and dad, where I could see my brothers and sisters, where I could have the comfort of my bed, okay? There's things that we do in our own homes to try to uh, make it better for us to live in. Like I could talk to Tanya and I could say, I really think that we need a surround sound in our house. I think that would help us out, okay? I said that in the front of the phone for a reason, because I'm figuring in about a week, I'm going to get a bunch of commercials on my phone in different places that there needs to be a surround sound, right? That's what's going to happen. They know a lot about us, you know, through our phones, through what we buy, through what we uh, talk about on the internet. They know a lot about us. You know who knows more about us? Jesus knows more about us. He does. So just think about for a second what he is going to have as a home for us. Because he knows us better than anybody. So this is a place that he has made specifically for us. When we ask him into our heart, he's our savior. He's building a place for us in heaven. But he says, "Believe in, if you believe in God, you believe in me. I'm going to make a home for you. Another thing that we have to think about is that we live here on earth, 
where the enemy lives as well. We live here, the enemy lives here as well. Think about the beautiful things that we have around this world. The waterfalls. Ryan, we went out to some of those beaches. They were awesome. You know what I mean? Out in the hunting stand, the leaves in the fall. These things are absolutely beautiful. And the enemy lives here. So imagine how much better he is going to make when the enemy is not there. How much better it's going to be. What we need to do is we need to know where we're going. So he's trying to tell them, this is where we are going. We're going to go to a home, a caring place. And then after we establish that, hey, we know where we're going, how are we going to get there? He says he's going to come back and get us, right? Isn't that what he says? He's building this for us. He's going to come back and get us. Let's move on a little bit further here. It says... In verse 5, Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going. So how can we, how can we know the way? So these have been people with Jesus for a long time. How do we know? How do we know? We say that ourselves. Well, is this just for the disciples? Is he just going to take the disciples with him? Let's turn to 17, 17 verse 24. John chapter 17, verse 24. It says, Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. So he wants all of us, anyone that is going to be under him, he wants with him to share in the glory. Did you ever see those videos where there's a party and they open up the box and they bring out these glasses and they're like these miracle glasses because people have never seen color before. Anybody ever seen those before? And then they put those on and they just start crying because it is so beautiful and they've never seen it before. You notice what else is going on? Everybody that's sharing it with them is crying too. Jesus wants this for himself. He wants to be in God's house, but he wants someone to be there to share it with him. He wants you to be a part of it. He wants to watch you. I know many times I feel better about watching my kids accomplish something than me accomplish accomplish something. He's the same way. I can tell you Pastor Sean's the same way. He likes to get things done, but he likes it more when he sees somebody else do it and he's there to witness it. So if he created this world, the wonders are going to be phenomenal. You know, what you eat, what you smell, the beauty, the music, everything. But Thomas wants to know, how are we going to get there? Jesus answered in chapter, verse 6. Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And I heard Dustin talking about that this morning. There are a lot of people that are intelligent people. There are a lot of people that have faith in a religion. What they don't have is they don't have Jesus Christ, and he is the way. Why? Because he is the truth. When we look at truth today, it's not what it used to be. There's things that we used to think were, oh, definitely, this is true. But now society is, well, maybe that's their truth and not your truth, and... 
Truth. God is truth. If it says something in the Bible, that's truth. You want to know what truth is? Watch what Jesus did. He was about truth. He is the truth. You can't get to heaven without the truth. You might worship a God like in another religion like you're talking about, you know, and get all worked up and excited in this, but you don't have the truth. You don't have Jesus Christ. Jesus is the truth and the life. Let's think about the truth in the garden, the serpent. What did the serpent say to Eve as she was in the garden? Did God really say that? Are you, did he really say you would buy, die? I don't think you would die. Did he really say that? That happens more and more each day. We need to be in the Word so that we know what the truth is. In the end times, it says many will be deceived. And I think it's probably getting pretty close to the end times from what I'm seeing. So how do, how do, we, know, how do we know Jesus spoke the truth when he was here? Let's go back to John 12. 12 verse 49, for I did not speak on my own, but the Father who sent me commanded me to say all that I have spoken. I know that his command leads to eternal life, so whatever I say is just what the Father has told me. We don't think about that much. Why is Jesus the truth? Because he's saying what God is telling him. Okay. Sometimes we think about Jesus and, well, he healed, he did this. There's times he probably could have done more. I mean, he's at a place where people are there to get healed, and he might heal one person. He obviously has the power to heal all of them. God didn't tell him to heal all of them. Why not? Maybe that healing was for another day to save some different souls. Or maybe if that person was healed, maybe they would go into get into some things that they shouldn't get into and not try to rely on the Lord. We don't know, but God knows. So Jesus was directly listening to God. And God is truth. God cannot lie. If you have seen my Father, let's move on here. On 14, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father. There as well, from now on, you do know him and have seen him. So Jesus is saying, if you have seen me, you have seen my father, because I have done what my father has asked me to do. Philip said, look, show us your father, and that, you, and that will be good enough for us. We always want to see something, don't we? Can we believe the miracle if we don't see it? You know what I mean? That's what we're always saying. Well, I've never really seen the miracle. It says in the Bible that Jesus did it. Well, you know, I didn't. we'd like to see it. Jesus answered, Don't you know me, Philip? Even after I have been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? I think Jesus is a little perplexed here. How can you say this? You've seen me. You know that I come from the Father, that I listen to the Father. If you see me, you see the Father. Do you believe that I am the Father and that the that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am the Father, and the Father is in me. Or at least believe 
on the evidence of the works themselves. So I want to talk about works a little bit. What do we say that we need to do to go to heaven? We need to believe. Okay, we need to believe. What does that mean to believe? I think believe means works too. I mean, when I say, hey, you know what? I believe I'm going to lose 100 pounds this year. Is it going to happen? I got to try to do something, right? I can't just say, well, I believe it and it's going to happen. We believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God, so we're going to go to heaven because we believe it. We got to take action. That belief takes action. Jesus, come into my heart. I believe you're my Savior. Can you come into my heart? You're going to ask him to enter into your heart. You're going to ask to have him fill you with the Holy Spirit. Okay? And the Holy Spirit is going to lead you. I thank God for our pastor. I do. And other people in our church that are spirit-filled. Because if the Lord says, no, we're going to do it another way, they will do it another way. If we want to be like Jesus, if we want to get to heaven, we got to accept him. We got to listen to what he has to say. We got to seek him out. We got to read the word. And we've got to become like him, just like he was of his father. I'm going to read on a little further here. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. And they will do even greater things than thee, because I am going to the Father, and I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. This is the thing. If you ask God to burn somebody or slay them down, I'm not so sure that's going to happen, okay? What God's saying is here, you and I. We've got to be one. He talked to God before he did things. We should be talking to Jesus before. If we're on the same page as Jesus, he's going to get it done. That's what he's saying. He's saying, you and I, if we're praying for the same things, we're on the same page, I will do that for you. He says we will do greater things. Uh, I was stuck on that for a while because I thought, jeepers, he raised somebody from the dead, you know. Do we have to wait 30 days to raise somebody from the dead? What's better? You know what I mean? What's, what's going to be better? I think I see it more on a larger scale now. Jesus had 12 disciples. They had a small area. We can reach a lot of people nowadays, whether it's through the Internet, uh, whether it's just through going into the big cities, whether it's what we hope to do as a church is build people up and send them out so it just multiplies and multiplies and multiplies. We have the opportunity to bring his kingdom to earth. And before the devil, he had everything under control until Jesus died. Once Jesus died on the cross, then he didn't have near the authority he had before. So yes, in a way, we can do greater things. Okay, I want to, I want to close up by saying this. Go to Genesis 1.26. Genesis 1.26. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image. That's what I just want to say. Let us make mankind in our image. 
Did Jesus come as man to earth? Yes, he came as man. He had to go through everything that we went through. The turmoil, the struggles, putting ourselves last. I mean, when I first heard that I was going to preach today, I immediately wanted to say, I'm going to do Esther. You know, I've been reading on Esther. I kind of want to do that. But I was like, better slow down. God might have something different. So I prayed about it, and I searched, and then there was a couple different directions. I wasn't sure, and then he wanted me to, to say this today. So then what goes into my mind? Hmm, did Sean just preach this a little while ago? Has Dustin preached this? And I was like, I'm not calling. God's saying that I'm doing this. Eventually, I did ask Dustin, though, and he said that they hadn't. So, But that was just me pulling away. I, I know, God, you got me. I just ooh, had to ask just a little bit there, but... In the image of God, what God wants us to do, his original goal was to man to come to earth and be an imager of him. We're not just talking, hey, we have two arms, eyes, you know, head. He wants us, he wants people to see us and see God. That's what an imager is. That's what Jesus Christ was. He was an imager of God. He came in the image and he stayed in the image. We didn't. We got out of it. We made a mistake in the Garden of Eden. But we have to strive to do that. We have to strive to show the image of God in everything that we do. We can't just say, Jesus, you're my Lord and Savior, and then, well, let's do whatever we want, and we'll, you know, say a confession here and there. God wants us in him. Wants us, Jesus wants us in him, and Jesus is in God. He wants that lined up. That's what he wants. So we got to strive to be an imager in him. How do we do that? The Holy Spirit. We've got to listen. We're not very good listeners. I mean, there's times that my wife tells me to do something, and I plan on doing it, and I'm starting to doing it, but then I get distracted on a YouTube video, and then she might have to ask me again. Usually by the third time I got it down, though, usually, I think. But we need to be imagers of God. So those are the two things that I wanted to get across today. Number one, we have to know where we're going. We are going to a wonderful place. We've asked God into our hearts. He's the key. He is the key. We've asked him into our hearts. We accept the Holy Spirit, and we ask to get in line with him. God, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? And don't think it has to be something great. It might be just the little things. It might be ringing the bell down at the top supermarket. You know what I mean? Saying a few kind words to somebody. People see that and they're like, oh, really? I like that person. Then they see you walk into the church and they say, oh, man, he's walking in. You know what I mean? It's the little things that tie down the road. And it might not be that you even know that that person comes to the Lord. It might be five people later that they're like, you know, something's going on here. I need to get in on it. And they talk to somebody, and that person brings Jesus to their heart. It's not always the person that says it and brings it to them, walks them through it, that has had an impact on it. Know where we're going and know how to get there. Okay, that's what I have. I'd like to pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this opportunity to speak, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for for dying on the cross for us, to be willing to comfort us, Lord. But we need to recognize, Lord, that this is not our final dwelling, Lord. 
Dear Heavenly Father, that you have made a dwelling special for us in your Father's home. And dear Heavenly Father, why we are here on this earth, we ask that you help us to line up with your will, Lord, with your will, so that we, through your Son, can be with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to today's sermon. For more information on our church, check out our Facebook page or our website, www.lighthousecanton.com. Have a great week.